Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we are covering Dark Phoenix from the Fox X-Men universe. This is both a commissioned episode from our patron, Matthew Rainwater, over at patreon.com slash mcucast, as well as a Bingers Assemble episode. So what we decided to do is we're going to cover do the Bingers and Assemble episode, and then do a bonus section at the end where we continue the conversation a little less structured just for you guys here on the MCU cast. So, Dark Phoenix it is, right after this ad we have no control over. Welcome to Bingers Assemble, the podcast where we rewatch movies so you don't have to. My name's Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. Jeff Randall, today we are covering X-Men Dark Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, we are. 20, uh, 2019, is that right? Yeah. You get the shot today, my friend. The shot is where one of our, one of our beautiful hosts tried to... <laughs> beautiful? Uh, yeah, beautiful. I don't know. I'm sorry. Did I objectify you? No, I'll take it. Go with it. Okay. <laughs> one of our lovely and talented hosts... <laughs> God, now we got to go find a talented host. (laughs) Tries to recap this movie in under 120 seconds. You got two minutes on the clock. Two minutes on the clock. Tell us what happens in Dark Phoenix. And starting now, uh, this movie did exactly. No, it didn't. Okay. So this movie tries to tell the story of the Dark Phoenix saga from comics, uh, and uh, like many before it, like the one other that before that came before it, uh, didn't really land for a lot of people. Um, we get the team going to space to save some astronauts. Apparently, the X Men are heroes in the year 1992. Uh, in the the years after. Uh, Apocalypse, uh, everybody thinks that they are superheroes and some great team to save everybody. Uh, they've got a direct line to the president. The president calls them up, says, go save my astronauts. Uh, so they go to space. Jean Grey takes in a cosmic force that is the Phoenix Force. They never say it, but that is what uh, that is what the force is. And then apparently some aliens want it, so they go to hunt her down in some strange side plot um, that becomes the main plot in a way that that Fox Marvel is known for uh, screwing up their movies because we have a perfectly fine character driven everything going like we have Xavier uh, closing off Jean Grey's mind and and you know giving reasons why he should be uh, why, he, why he should be doing that why he's justified in that and he's protecting her from her own childhood and trauma because every time her trauma comes up she hurts people and the 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 real crux of that is shown in that she kills Mystique by throwing her away from from or throwing Mystique away from herself and impaling her on some rubble on her old house. Uh, then the aliens show up, take her away, kind of. Um, Magneto is thrown into the mix for some reason, <laughs> and they he wants to kill because or he wants to kill Jean because she killed Raven, and then. They team up, the X-Men and the Genosians team up to take on the aliens. The end. Very well done. That's a good shot. Yeah. I, I commend you. That's a really good shot. Um, I'm going to do the chaser now. The chaser is where I get 60 seconds to try to respond with everything that Jeff missed. Um, and honestly, it's going to be tricky. You did a good job. Starting the timer now. All right. The main thing that uh, you did left out was, I guess, the arc of the 
other side characters, uh, which is, includes Beast, who has actually an arc in this movie, which I was appreciative of. Uh, Beast has kind of been uh, just Charles's sidekick for three movies now. And in this movie, he actually, uh, because of Raven's death, he goes against Charles and says that Charles is wrong and Charles needs to uh, take responsibility for his actions. And he kind of turns sort of to the bad side and decides to go hunt down Gene. And, and I will say, you know, him and Magneto hunting down Gene together, like it all, it all tracked. It wasn't, uh, it made sense for where they were as characters. And then he goes and of course convinces them to join them. And it was kind of nice to see everybody. I guess the big thing was the alien side story. She just destroys the aliens. That's the end. Of the movie. <laughs> That's the thing you didn't mention. I, you, you got you did a good job. I feel like most of these. Uh, that's my time. I feel like most of these uh, chasers. We there's like some blaring thing missing, but I, you, you really just missed the side characters, which is like Scott. Which you know that's fine because we have a segment called Mixers where we yeah. cover all of the characters and what they went through in this movie. Well, I feel like that's kind of a, a a thing with Fox Marvel is they forget the side characters. Hmm. I see. I disagree with you. I think they generally overspend time with the side characters. Generally, now they do forget to give them arcs. That is true. Uh, so, but they they also tend to clutter their movies with way too many characters and try to kind of give everyone's enough to do to say they were in the movie. And I, I get it. I don't know. It's just it's hard to balance a movie like this. So let's dive into the mixers. Um, obviously, Dark Phoenix. Jean Grey's the main character of this movie. Is she? Um, I could, I could I mean, not tell. <laughs> uh, are you being are you being facetious? I, I'm confused. I am too. <laughs> okay. Well. Okay. Let, let's say let's save a lot of the. Uh, uh, the this is open mic talk. Let's yeah, get on. This to is the open mixers. mic talk. Let's get into mixers. Um, so Jean Grey, her arc is that she is trying to. Uh, uh, she, she's one of the X-Men. She's uh, just very much, they, they are the X-Men. They are kind of the X-Men, at least that I kind of remember from comics. They're, they're not just, a, they're actually a team. They like work with the government sometimes. Like it's a whole thing. I, I enjoy that we start there. And yeah. then Jean uh, goes out into space and gets, uh, while rescuing an astronaut, uh, gets consumed by the phoenix force or it's not called the phoenix force in this universe and so her basic arc is the all of the the structure that charles put in place to keep her trauma at bay she has some powerful trauma in her past all those uh the scaffolding as he calls it comes down and she uh can't control herself and does hurts her friends first and then eventually hurts Raven. And then she goes to Magneto because she wants to find someone who, who has hurt people and has stopped hurting people. Cause he lives in Genosha now and is peaceful. Uh, and he goes there to, uh, but she won't, he also turns her away and it seems the entire world is turning her away. So she joins with aliens who tell her that she's going to be a God with them. <laughs> After finally getting to speak to Charles Xavier, she realizes that not everyone turned her away. Charles took her in and, and took care of her all this time and that he did everything he did out of love. And so she decides to fight the aliens and join forces with the X-Men and protect her family. And she has a family and then she seems to die or like go and explode. But then at the end we realize she's not dead. She had a whole, uh, I'm not dead. Uh, this isn't yeah, the end she for had me. the monologue. This isn't the end for me. Yeah. Uh, or the X-Men. And 
<laughs> unfortunately, like in a in a meta sense, yeah, it kind of is for the for the movies. Like this is it. Yes, at least under Fox's control. Yeah, I guess they were planning more with these characters, and it seemed like they were. Uh, as as they said in this, there's only two left of the first class, and and they and one of them dies in this, and one of them becomes a professor, uh, take takes over for Charles, which I guess is beast beast thing. He finally stands up to the professor for all the things he's done. Yeah, he finally grows a spine. Yeah, and has feelings of his own. Yeah, I really I liked that he finally got something to do other than just be a lap dog, uh, for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, this uh, I we got a uh, a taste in the beginning of this movie um, of something with Beast and Mystique and Nightcrawler all walking out of the plane. Uh, something that my uh, upcoming co-host on the show that I'm working on has said: there's too many blue people in X Men. There's just <laughs> so many blue people. Like, gotta trim it down. It's true. It's true. It, it and and it kind of feels weird and maybe a little racial that they they like put two of the blue people together. Now they tie it together in the first movie where they like, you know what I mean? It's like you got two blue people. It's like such a classic trope that you have two people, the same race. You got to shove them together. Anyway, again, this is open mic talk. We got a lot of characters to get through. Sorry. Um, No, no, you're fine. (laughs) Xavier, um, Xavier, uh, his big thing is the same arc he's had in every movie. He's still trying to control people, even though that was supposedly a lesson he learned last time. He's still trying to control her and lie to her. There's a great line from Raven in this in this um, that she says, uh, he says, protect. I was trying to protect her from the truth. There's another word for that. And so Xavier is still using deception to try to protect his students and realizes he was wrong again. Um, just not not good that he's had to learn that lesson like four times. Right, it's it's kind of a, a recurring thing with him. He uh, he screws up. Yeah, has to see that he's doing the wrong thing, and then well, I mean, at least in this one though, he did uh, he did admit to it. He was like, "I was wrong. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that." He actually gets to apologize to her uh, as opposed to the way that they did it in uh, the Last Stand. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I I liked. Uh, yeah, man, the way they did in the Last Stand. Whew. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's so much, there's so much of this that mirrors last stand and then they just take us, they take a different turn. Uh, okay. We got two minutes left on, on mixers. Let's see here. We got to extend it. There's so many characters. In yeah. This. Yeah. We can go a little longer. It's not a big deal. Uh, yeah. mystique Raven, not much character work, except that she actually, I really like what they're trying to do with her, which is she is disillusioned with professor X and, and sees him as kind of like, sending these kids out as child soldiers you know what i mean like yeah she's straight up over charles and his bullshit yeah and she doesn't think he's trying to protect them as much as he's trying to protect their entire race it, he's no he's not seeing the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest as it were um yeah. and that's uh, that's a real bummer uh, as we, we've talked about beast a good bit cyclops uh he's gene's purse in this movie um <laughs> <laughs> yep Yep, yep. That's about all you got to say about that. Uh, he, he protects her a couple of times and, and he says, she tells him he'll always come back, but really he really hadn't. I, I just never by the love. The one moment I loved from him was she said, are you intimidated? And he said, always, always. That is so <laughs> self-referential and beautiful. He says, always. I loved that. I loved it. That was one of my favorite lines in the movie. Uh, Nightcrawler, 
uh, he's he's basically their transportation through the whole movie until finally yep. he gets real pissed off and he goes full violent like and he goes Logan levels of killing everyone, which was pretty pretty crazy from that character. Uh, yeah. Storm, as you mentioned, doesn't have much in this movie. Uh, Quicksilver is fast um, <laughs> until he's not. Yes, Quicksilver is fast till he's not, and then he just gets forgotten about. Yeah, he's funny. He's funny in this movie. He has a lot of a lot of good little laugh lines. Yeah, for the fifteen minutes that he's in it. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Magneto finally learn comes to terms with his relationship with himself, uh, w- with himself and with Charles. Like he comes to Charles. I loved the end where he offers Charles a home. That was really nice. What home does he have though? Genosha, I'm assuming. Uh, are we sure? Because you know, bad stuff happened in Genosha. Yeah, but I, well, and we don't know that was that even Genosha. It seemed like it was more of like a almost yeah, like was, an internment camp or something. Did they say Genosha? They don't say Genosha, but in in the IMDb and all of the descriptions that you can read online, it says Genosians and you know random Genosian guy. Okay, all right. Well, uh, and that's that's all the main characters. I feel like right. That's, that's uh, what about that's Vuck? Uh, Vuck. Yeah, what the Vuck? You know. <laughs> What, what the fuck? What the fuck are you going to say about Vuck? Uh, she, I feel like we got... She didn't really have a character. She just wanted the power. And I, I thought they were going to be deeper with them. I, and that's why I think we can get into open mic, because I feel like all yeah. of this... Vuck and Jones, they're just part of the alien horde. Uh, yeah, although they're the, they're the Jones, mustache twirling. They quite must... Well, see, this thing... They Okay, we're into open mic. Officially into open mic. Okay, we can say officially. Talk about whatever the freak we want. I'm sorry, open bar. Why, why am I saying open mic? It's open bar now. Oh, okay. Let um, me switch it on the on the thing. Oh, yeah. Good call. Maybe then we won't say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, open bar. This is where we talk about whatever we want to about the movie. Now that we've got the basics of the plot and characters out of the way. So, uh, yeah. It seemed like they were going to have more of a complex story. These aliens. Which, do, we, do you know the name of the aliens? I'm assuming they're from comics. Uh, they call them the Dabari. D apostrophe B A R I. Okay, I don't think they ever said that in the movie. Yeah, um, they did. Did they? Uh, oh, yeah, I, when she first walks up on everybody, she's like, "This is all that's left of the Dabari people." And yeah, they're from comics. Okay, cool. Um, well, the they when they talk about how they this power consumed their home, and now they're going to try to turn Earth into their home. Like clearly, that's bad for humans, but <laughs> it's not necessarily. Let that mustache twirly you know what i mean like it seems like that that that's a reasonable i, I kind of thought there might be a re- some reasoning that could happen there like i could see dark phoenix realizing she has all this power and realizing these are just people fighting for their homes and deciding to leave earth to go and settle some other dark world with them you know some other cold desolate world and settle it with the dabari you know this could have gone full on captain marvel you know we're we're a uh, 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 dispersed people that are are just nomadic and looking for a home, and this place seems okay, sure, but oh, nobody wants us here. I guess we'll go somewhere else. Like that, that could have easily gone the the scrolls route from the Captain Marvel film. Yeah, I agree. It's just they they were like, okay, we are we're following this force. She's got the force. We need to get it from her. And then what do we do? Let's destroy everyone on the planet. And then claim it as our own. Yeah, that's great. And then it was just kill all humans. Kill all humans. 
and that's that was a missed opportunity is what I'm going to call it. It was a missed opportunity to have a little more depth and a little more real character to alien people. Yeah. And it's just, it, they whiffed. It's the problem with these movies all along. They always have to have an evil antagonist, like always their, their antagonist always has to just like straight up be a mustache twirler in every one of these movies. I mean, with the exception of, um, Magneto, but he hasn't really been an antagonist since the first movie. And in the first movie, he was he was a mustache twirler. It seemed, you know, he was willing to let anyone die. Um, and and ever since, they've just they just always substitute someone else in who is just just awful, you know. Yep, yep. Somebody else who has a a bigger and bigger mustache. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, I don't think this movie is the worst. I would for sure say Last Stand is worse, like beyond a doubt. Uh, well, you know, Last Stand had the problem of having two stories that were in no way related to each other just smash on top of each other. And this one had, I think this one had a problem of trying to do too much with the story that they had. Like it was still one story for the most part. You know, I mean, the, the Dabari people were displaced, you know, their their home was destroyed by uh, by the Phoenix Force. That Like, that's straight out of comics. That's fine. And, and the fact that they came to Earth is a little weird. I mean, what would have been good, honestly, what would have been good is having Jean Grey find a way to control the Phoenix Force, or at least aim it, in, in Bruce Banner terms. Right. And hang on to it for a few movies. And then have the Dabari people show up and be like, this bitch right here, this destroyed our planet. Like, we want some revenge. Yeah. You know, they come in later and then you've got to deal with like, okay, well, maybe you maybe you shouldn't hang on to the Phoenix Force. Uh, it might be a bad idea uh, just because, you know, it's destructive as fuck. Mm. Like, you know, it, it could have given it it could have given it time to simmer. And, and time to settle as a as a real thing that she like a, a real tool that she wants to use but then also you know kind of show that that darkness to it and it was the same way uh, that we wanted um, God we were talking about it with spider-man and how he should fi- he should be black suit spider-man for like a while and then eventually throw it off and create venom yeah you know sit on it stew on it for a little bit let it simmer. And then later we'll address, you know, all this Dark Phoenix stuff and get into the cosmic, cosmic stuff. Yeah. And I thought that's kind of what they were doing with the, with Apocalypse. She basically becomes Phoenix at the end. Like they even have the big bird, like flaming bird show up over her. And then they just kind of forgot about that and like, oh, but we want to make it more like comics. So let's have it come from space. Uh, There were, there were a number (laughs) of things in this movie. And you know, the biggest problem for me in this movie, I wanted Dark Phoenix to be different. I wanted it to be a cosmic force that she can't control and all this stuff. And, and and like, like it seems to me like, I don't know. I haven't really, it's been a long time sort of these comics, but it seems to me like it's like a, man, a malevolent force that she has to sort of get under control, like a force that doesn't care for earth or the people in it, you know, um, it, it actually is bent on destroying or something, you know, and that's like, that could be interesting having like the body of someone, but this, this was kind of just the same story we've gotten multiple times and it's just mutant feels that, 
no one likes them. And so they go and become violent. Cause that's basically what she did here. Like, yep. I, I was, I was annoyed that she ran away when all she had done was make a mistake. And like, I'm sure you live on this compound with 50 other mutants or whatever. And I'm sure they mess up and hurt each other all the time. Like in their training and stuff. I'm sure she's done <laughs> right. it before. And then she did it one time and was like, I have to leave. And I understand maybe there's like a lot of power, but it seems like there'd be a protocol like, oh, you did. You heard it. Every, you heard everyone. We see that. Let's uh, let's take you to this other. Let's take you to the off campus and let's like work on this power, new power you're developing and right. figure it out. It seems like there'd be like all kinds of protocol in place for this. And instead, it's just like. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of an oversight on Xavier's part from the from the sound of it, because like, you know, what, 10 years earlier or whatever it was in uh, in Apocalypse when Cyclops shows up, Xavier's like, let's see what you can do. And just like throws him out in a field. It's like, you know, go to town. Yeah. And almost <laughs> maybe don't someone. point at people. <laughs> yeah. Almost <laughs> he destroys a giant freaking tree. And he's like, ah, that was my favorite tree. Yeah, which part of that scene to me was supposed to be kind of like young Charles who kind of doesn't care. Like he's not as, not that he doesn't care, he's not as careful. Yeah, he's just like, ah, dang. So maybe we should put something in place. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of expect him to eventually become the Charles that has everything under control, but apparently he never did. And then he gave up the power. Like he's no longer the leader of the X-Men. And... (sighs) It just feels like Charles was never really the leader you needed him to be. And like Beast becoming the leader after all we saw, I like, I understand him coming back to the mansion after this experience, but they put him in charge after the last thing he tried to do was kill a student. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's, uh, troublesome. It is troublesome. (laughs) Oh man, I don't think that anybody who tried to kill one of the students yeah. should really be put back in charge immediately. <laughs> I know she mistakenly like killed your girlfriend. Like I get it. And that's bad. And but that that was not her fault. She did not intend to kill Raven. And this has got to be this kind of stuff is exactly why you have to be a little separate from the public and why you can't be in regular schools is because there is danger to being a mutant because you have this power. Um, it's just like the civil war conversation where a Thunderbolt Ross says, you know, I'd be in trouble if I lost a, you know, hundred ton nuke or whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh man. And then, okay. So if we're, if we're looking at promotions, you know, this has been almost like 10 years ago, right? Or 10 years ago that apocalypse was, uh, why is Cyclops not the field leader yet? Like yeah. he was in, in the original stories, like all the time. And then we still got, we got a little part of it, a little, a little taste, a little nugget where all the students were like, is Jean bad? And he's like, no, no, no guys. She, she's just, she made a mistake and she's still our friend. She's still Jean. We're going to go help her. We're going to save her. And you know, it's going to be Okay. And like he was being, he was being a good leader in that, in that set or in that, uh, in that moment. And I was like, where the hell has this guy been? Like, where was this guy? Come on. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm angry. Like this guy that is playing, uh, is playing Scott Summers, Ty Sheridan. He's doing a good job with what he's given, but the writers are giving him shit. 
He's got nothing to work with. He's not like this is not Cyclops. Mm, yeah, there there has been no real leadership shown from him. You get that moment, you know, it's like Cap is the leader of the Avengers. I, I'm sorry to keep comparing it. <laughs> I yeah. don't, I don't well, I mean, to, we but, you, you gotta you gotta put a basis of comparison against something that's good, right? If you want good to come out of it. Yeah, but you know, Cap is the leader of the Avengers, and you you don't get him being the leader that often. But they do give you like him being like a good tactical field leader every once in a while. I love that moment in Ultron where he suddenly just starts directing uh, the twins to to take out uh, to to save all the people and stop the train. You know, yeah, that train scene. That's such a, ma- a great scene, and it's just like, oh, that's right, he does do it. And and, and of course, there's the moment, uh, probably a better moment, is when uh, Tony says, "Call it Cap. Cap's the leader. He's the warrior leader." Yeah, call it Cap is the, that's the line where everybody understands, like, this is the guy who needs to be leading things out here. This is the guy that we need to be following and listening to out here right now if we're going to make it through this. Yeah, they absolutely. They understand that. They, they recognize that leadership. And that's what Scott is supposed to do out in the field on, on, on these missions. But, like, all he does is scream at people, where is she? I mean, mm-hmm. you could have put gravel in his voice. And it could have been Batman. Where is she? Uh, Kurt, where is she? Let's not fall down a Batman voice hole. We will, we oh, will stay there a while. <laughs> we'll, we'll have time for that later. Uh, so let's get to the Delta. Uh, what's your favorite part? What's your least, what's your least favorite part of this movie? What's, what's your, what's your oh, well? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, well beverage. What's the, what's the bottom shelf beverage for this, this okay. movie? Worst moment. Worst moment. Uh, the, the transition from the moving train to the anywhere, you know, whatever the, the yard of, mm-hmm. I guess it was a factory. Like that transition was bonkers <laughs> it was it made no sense we've got two characters that are that are following magneto one of which has a real history in comics one of which they made up for this movie um tentacle hair guy is made up for the movie and they just like unceremoniously were gone oh, what's her name celine was grabbed by the head and like flung out of the out of the rail car and then tentacle hair guy you just never see him again he's just not bubbled like gene just forgot that he existed and like oops he's dead because she derailed the whole train yeah well she does say i've got to save my family because he doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't consider him part of that but mm. she considers magneto to be part of it well she did go to magneto in a time of trouble like so, not like, only she, did she save him, she saved him in his own bubble. Beast and Nightcrawler were in the same bubble together. They had to share a bubble. <laughs> I actually really so so that's your low point. That was actually one of my favorite parts. Um, I hated it. <laughs> I, I, I get you that they lost a couple characters and some. It was convenience. There was convenience there, and I, maybe maybe I'll have to go back and see if any of those scenes show tentacle hair guy dying. I don't know. Or, or falling off. But um, the thing that I liked about it was she realizes she has her trauma come back to her. And uh, I see this is me trying to defend Dark Phoenix, which everyone's going to get on me for. Yeah. Um, she, has, she has her trauma awakened in her. And mm-hmm. I wish this had been explicit because it's not. This is me headcanoning a, a better movie. Um, and <laughs> little, 
We'll bring you on for that episode of Script Doctors. Okay. Her parents died in that crash at the beginning of the movie as she created a bubble around herself. Um, Charles has helped her get over all of that trauma. And it's in this moment, after all that trauma is back, and she rem- ah. she's remembering that, and now that she has the power to do so, and that she knows what she's doing, she has control, she protects everyone, not just herself. I, I, I immediately noticed that in that first scene. Like, she's not extending the bubble to protect everyone. And, and maybe it was a lack of the ability, the power, and maybe it was her not just not understanding her power and not even under control. It was just self-preservation. But now, using sort of the regret of not being able to save her mother and, and, and protect her father, that she uses that trauma to become a, a to do to save her family now and to understand how to and i thought that was kind of a powerful message that he took away her trauma but it was her trauma and that sort of like it, it was it was a clear callback to her trauma when she's saving her entire family the entire family of the x-men and so i thought that was an interesting could have been a very interesting point they were making but i don't think they made it very clearly i don't think they made that point at all i think it was just Everybody was in a bubble, and that's how she transported them out of the train cars, kind of. Yeah, it, I just it, it was very reminiscent of the way she did it at the beginning, so I felt like it was a callback. But you know, maybe I'm giving it too much credit. Um, I mean, that could be why she started spinning the spinning the train cars is because the the car crash was a they were spinning and rolling. Yeah. So yeah, no, maybe that, this all of this was, all this is stuff I saw when I was watching the movie. Like that's this this was clear. This wreck of the train was her re experience the wreck of her parents okay and i'll switch my worst moment to uh <laughs> jennifer lawrence saying maybe it should be called x women <laughs> i okay the x women line was cheesy but i thought it was kind of a nice like all the women are always saving men around here uh i did like that <laughs> um just it's just so petulant um <laughs> It's, uh, I, think, I, don't know. I think that's the problem that I have with it is the petulance that like you're too old to be talking like that and, and being so goddamn snooty. I'm going to join you in your well and, and, okay. and say that my well is also everything that Jennifer Lawrence says in this movie. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> mostly because I think she's a great actress. I think she is wonderful. I've seen so many movies where she's just amazing. And yep. other people in this movie, I know it's a bad script and I know it's kind of... It, it's got some problems, but other people are caring. They're there to work. Um, right. <laughs> McAvoy and, and Fassbender are amazing in this movie. Um, and she phones it in harder than I've ever seen an actress phone in a role. Like, it's really bad. Uh, especially an actress that knows what she's doing and can can do such wonderful things. And she's just not. She's just not. She's just not. She's I mean, it's, it's like Ashley Coffin said on the, uh, the first class episode that we had her on for. Like, you are an Oscar-winning actress. You might, probably should act like it. Yep. Literally act like it. Literally act like you it. You got a high point? Um, I, you know what? I liked the, all the teamwork that was going on in the street. Oh, um, yeah. That street scene know, was fun. That street scene where everybody was, you know, they were fighting against each other. They were, you know, there was, Kurt was bamfing around and, and um, you know, Charles was rolling around and like occasionally controlling this person to kind of, you know, help somebody out and, and 
uh cyclops actually got to be like kind of a badass in that in that scene like the whole thing was actually x-men and mutants you know just people working together being a team they were being a team matt we got to see a team be a team yeah i do think the newer movies um days of future past uh even apocalypse and and this one and by the way i think apocalypse is way worse than this one uh, oh yeah yeah oh, god yeah yeah uh, apocalypse and last stand are the two bottoms for me um uh, we talked about doing a doing an episode where we rank them and i think we should um or at okay. least doing a moment where we rank them yeah i think that this is a this is not a great outing my high point is gonna be um the early scenes in the movie and this has been a huge trend with me almost all of my uh top shelf moments have been the beginning of the movie because in the they, opening scroll <laughs> well they yeah yeah it's like they don't it's like they start out with a really good idea and then they don't know where to go with it and they just know it's like they start out with a good character idea and jean gray losing her parents and 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 um mcavoy taking her in um that is mcavoy right yeah for a second i was like wait no is he fastbender no 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 eric's fastbender um <laughs> sorry just call him xavier that's sorry, his yeah, real yeah. name yeah you're right you're right xavier <laughs> taking taking her in that entire sequence i loved it and he acts it so well the little girl's so sweet and and it's and it's like it's just a classic sci-fi thing like there was a car wreck but this girl survived a scratch on her you know it's it was just a very nice thing it was another one of the situations where they started well they ended poorly and i feel like Every one of these X-Men movies starts with a great character idea. The first X-Men movie is Eric, uh, as a child, destroying the Nazi camp. Like, all of that stuff. That's such an evocative scene. And then I think every one of these movies starts there, starts with a great character moment, and then it slowly moves toward how can we get all these great characters to have a big fight, which I understand is part of the job of a movie, but like you can't lose the character stuff when you get to the big fight. You got to have the fight be born of the character stuff. And so that's my high point. And it's also my, what we would have, what do we want to see going forward? Because I just want them to make the fight scenes like really matter uh, that, that and I thought the one where they're the one in the New York streets, this movie could have ended there and I would have been happier. Like when right? she, he talks her down and that should have been the end of the movie. And then they could have helped the aliens find a home. You know what I mean? Like that could have been a beautiful ending. The whole train sequence, while it was a cool fight sequence, it, it character wise, it was a huge uh, back step for me. I, you know what? You got me thinking now. Like, how can I script doctor this into a completely different ending? Yeah, for me, because, it's that. Um, for me, it's that. It's it's you, you end it with her realizing that Charles is her home. Yeah, like have That's that it. kind of realization go on, and she sees that uh, that Vuck is killing her, and she ends up, you know, becoming stronger because. Of Charles and you know embracing her emotions. By the way, that's another low point. My emotions make me stronger. Like, please stop. Don't write mm-hmm. shit like that. Come mm-hmm. on. <laughs> but you know, she could like jettison her into space or whatever at that moment. Like, ah, oh, you're killing me. Let me throw you away. And then they, you know, they they lick their wounds on a spaceship somewhere and think about how they can come back for the Phoenix Force. 
you know, that's yeah. perfectly fine. Easy, easy out for it. You don't have to be, you know, too in depth as far as 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 far as character development after that, because you really haven't developed these alien characters that much at all. You know, you can yeah. put it, you can put that off until the next movie when they come back, and then you can have, you know, we could have a Shi'ar versus Dabari. Uh, fight going on and then Xavier could have his love in Lalandra that he's supposed to have like the star jammers could show up and we could get Cyclops's dad like all these things could happen <laughs> all these things could happen man so let me ask you you're working on this new show called script doctors at least tentatively water cooler script doctors water cooler script doctors okay so you're working on this new podcast I, I like the idea but is it just gonna be you saying how it should be more like the comics <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we do, we do take a lot of inspiration because uh, we've, we've had a big discussion on apocalypse, and that was kind of the thing that was like that hubris moment of like, hey, we should, you know, this this conversation has been really great. You know, what would make it even better putting it on the internet. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, we've got we've got this whole uh, thing with with apocalypse where you know we have a little bit of you know stuff informed by the comics but it's really mostly just like you know because of how you know in in other movies we've seen you know character development works better when you've got conflict and when they're relatable and you could have this character be relatable in this way and this guy be like the other side of the coin of that and this girl is in between them and he likes her she likes him uh and he you know these two don't get along but they end up becoming best friends like it's all you could even call it like just a trope fest but even Following the tropes, you might eventually come up with a better movie than what Apocalypse was. Yeah, Apocalypse is atrocious. All right, well, that sounds like we're just skip doctoring at this point, so let's call this episode Avengers, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys so much, and if you enjoyed this, we are going to do a slightly extended episode over on the MCU cast, where we just, uh, just going to continue. One of our patrons asked us to discuss this movie, and so we're going to uh, discuss it a little longer over on the MCU cast, and it'll be this episode plus. So bonus, bonus content. Bonus content. <laughs> Immediate value. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know I could do that voice. Okay, so let's talk more about this movie just and with no bounds because we always talk about these movies uh, these days with this bingers in mind and we're trying to do a 30-minute discussion that gets through as much of the movie as possible. But now this is just a conversation like we would have any time on the MCU cast. So don't hold back, man. Tell me how much do you hate this movie? Jesus Christ, this movie was so frustrating. Like, yeah. I, I don't think this movie was as frustrating as Apocalypse. I don't. Because there were so many... You know, honestly, it might be it might be more frustrating. Because Apocalypse, like... Apocalypse had all the same actors and the same cast and crew. And uh, they had the same director. And you had, I think, the same writers as Days of Future Pants. And, like, everything was there. Everything... You know, you had the the groundwork laid for you. the The foundation is here to make a good movie, and you just whiffed it with the story by making this this one guy super mustache whirly. And you gave him this line where he, you know, where he does his no more slings, no more arrows, yada yada. His whole shtick, his whole spiel there, which could have been like the crux of his of his uh, his plan, his his plot as the villain or whatever you just kind of threw all that away 
into, all right, big slugfest from a guy who just wants everybody to look at him as a god, whatever. Like, all the groundwork was laid, and then they just whiffed it at every possible second with character. In this one, they had so many potentially really good character moments, and then it's like they just kind of forgot that characters need to be built and actually have reactions to the things that happen to their the people that they're supposed to love like they just they whiffed it on character at every at every turn where like you can be watching and be like come on just please just react in a way that makes sense yeah Mm. yeah i'm with you i think that um they just generally go for the cool instead of going for the real and for the heartfelt. Like that's the yeah. problem. That's the overarching problem with all these movies. Um, with the exception of Logan and weirdly with the exception of dead, the Deadpool movies. <laughs> you know? I love, I love, love, love in Deadpool two how he gets a team and we're thinking, Oh, okay, here comes X force. And then they just completely decimate the team. Like, everybody dies except for, uh, what was his name, Doug? Oh, yes, that's right. Oh, I loved that. I loved that scene. I had kind of forgotten about it. Yeah. They build <laughs> they build a version of X-Force, basically, and then, like, everyone dies. It's just such a funny joke. Such a funny yeah. joke. And I love that they, like, even relied on them a lot in the trailers and the up run yes. up to it. It was so good. And, yeah, we're going to probably... Now that we have time, because New Mutants is not coming out anytime soon, we're going to go back and hit those Deadpool movies soon uh, on Bingers, and that way yes. we'll have all of the X movies. At the, when we originally planned all this, we did not have, we did not know that we were going to have time. So now we do. Yeah. So let's do that. Uh, yeah, well, of course. Yeah. So w- they built a team in that one, and then in, like almost immediately stripped it all down. They stripped it all down to these couple of important characters, you know, in. Domino in Deadpool in you know, you've got Colossus and um, you know he's facing off against Juggernaut and then the Firefist Kid and Cable like there's there's not many characters as far as the way that we usually see X Men movies go like it's usually a whole bunch of people doing not much of nothing. Well, the genius thing is they get all those characters in and then they immediately kill them the vast majority of them off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the beauty is when you have a movie, you need to have a central character or at least a central core group of characters. And that, and that a lot of these X movies, they, they, they try to, they, I mean, clearly dark Phoenix and Xavier. We'll see. That's what I, I, I want to try to nail down who the main characters are of this, but dark Phoenix is clearly the, the main character, but you've also got Charles and beast and, Cyclops to a lesser degree and Magneto and Raven and all these characters get a lot of screen time and they don't do a good job of fleshing any one character out. And I think I'm just tired of the same exact plot of just like the mutant who is disaffected going and doing this thing. I think the thing is like, if you have a mutants, if the, the whole idea of the mutants is they're so varied and you have this like wide range of abilities, wide range of stories, wide range of characters, and they just keep doing the same, like same basic story in every movie. Yeah. Everybody turns blue. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice actually in the first couple because they like, it was like, Oh, they're sticking to a theme. 
You know, they're sticking to the idea that like, oh, the 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 mutants are bad because it's it was all about mutant human relations, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think the Phoenix Force was really supposed to be about mutant human relations. Like, sure, it can be a backdrop, no. <laughs> but in this movie, they make it sort of like again, it's the primary thing that we're dealing with is mutant human relations and i was so excited at the beginning of the movie because everybody loved the x-men and it it looked a lot like there wasn't going to be a thing of mutant human relations and having that be a a plot point at all it was just like okay everybody loves this let's go tell another story yeah exactly that's what i was hoping for too and it seemed like it was shaping up and then they just turned it on its head and it's again about uh, well, we can't let her. We can't let her kill a lot of people. They, what will they think of mutants? Ugh, <laughs> oh, God! Like no shit, people are gonna think bad of mutants because she killed a lot of people. Yeah, but ah. just, why don't you care about just the people, and why don't you care about saving Gene more than you care about the the? I, I just realized in this that Charles is a PR leader. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what he does. Yep. He's a he's a yep. guy who worries about the PR of it all. And um Raven is a warrior and and it was taught by Eric to be a warrior and she that's why she's frustrated with Charles. He's more worried about the how this is all going to look rather than protecting his people. Like he does not he saves that astronaut over protecting Gene. Like that is a clear he makes the choice of, and I know he he thought it was the right thing to do for them to risk their lives, but he's not the one in the field. She says, when was the last time you risked your life? Yeah. And I think that's kind of why he went into, uh, into the field in New York and, uh, in Jean's hometown. I cannot remember where it was, but somehow she grew up, uh, with Charles losing an accent, uh, losing a very rural accent. I'm not sure how Mm. he's looking at the PR of it. And Raven is coming in saying, you know, you should care about the people you need to save or you need to not risk their lives uh, just to promote this image that the X-Men are, are their superheroes. And he's like, Oh, you think I don't know that? But like that whole interaction, honestly, in my opinion, did not need to happen. Mm. Like none of that, like, at this point, if we're looking at... You mean between Raven and Charles? Yeah, between Raven and Charles. Hmm. And it's, it's it's not even that like I didn't like it for this movie, or I didn't like it between them. It was that, uh, chronologically speaking, first class in, in the timeline happened in 1963. And now we're in 1992. He has had almost 30 years to figure out how to be a good leader... And and be an adult that cares about the students and is not this petulant, you know? Yeah, well, you're saying since first class, though. Yeah. Um, he really, but when did, when was Days of Future Past? That's what I want to know. Uh, Future Past was in 73. Okay, so that's when he like, that's, that's when he actually establishes the school again. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, okay. Well, so th- it's still 20 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, your point is taken. I, I agree with you. It's just, uh, and also, why does why does he still have hair? He doesn't. He doesn't? In this, oh, you know what? I'm thinking of the flashback scenes. 
<laughs> You're thinking of your favorite parts. Yeah, I am. I, when I saw him in the <laughs> 70s, I was like, oh, he still, he, still has, he still has the hair. That's cool. It was in 73. No, you're right. He doesn't. No, 75. Eric and Charles age incredibly well into their... Because uh, <laughs> 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 it's like it's been like three years for the actors, and it's been like 20 years for the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's part of the problem with, with this format that they've gone with. They, they were like, oh, yeah, we'll just time hop through all the decades, but we're still going to use the same actors for the same characters, and they're not going to look at day older that's a problem yeah you know because in in their world they're dealing with this mutant thing literally every day they're they're on the street as a mutant literally every day and for you to tell me that 10 years have passed and they haven't grown as people at all in the slightest yeah is, is malarkey it's horseshit i do kind of feel like charles it they had that whole crazy good scene in Deja Future Past where um, Charles talks to Charles and it was supposed to be the way that they diverge the universes. Uh, and then in this, it, it, and, and old Charles told young Charles to trust your people. And then he still did the same thing to Jean. He did in the other universe, basically. Maybe he yep. did it a little kinder because she, she does have a different experience in this universe, but like it, he, he still does the same thing. I, I, I really had a problem with that. It felt like, they just ignored the growth of Days of Future Past. Well, you know, it had been two years since the events of Future Past <laughs> when he picked up Gene. Like, legit, it was 73 that Future Past happened, and or at least the past part of Future Past happened, and it was 75 when he went to her. Right. To me, that'd mean he'd have even if it'd be even more fresh in his mind. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, that was a, that was a fun little conversation. Yeah, since it's the very end of this here podcast that we're going to throw up in the MCU cast, how about we go to the chat and cover a few of these things that people okay. are throwing out at us? I can see what Steelerwig said. Oh, great! Yeah. Go for it. All right, he says, "Thanks for what you guys do." I haven't got around to see Dark Phoenix yet, but we'll watch this weekend and go back to listen to the Bingers Pod. <laughs> Y'all rock, and I pray you guys are staying safe and healthy with everything going on. Continue to spread the love for Marvel. Ah, well, thank you, my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we will, will continue to spread the love for Marvel, but not the love for COVID. Yeah, not a love for COVID at all. This has been a rough time, um, for sure. Man, did my bills last night? <laughs> first time Oof. for that's what I was. I, I texted you about that this morning, but yeah, I like did my bills for the first time since uh, COVID has been going on. And, you know, it's just like, well, just paying a month's worth of bills and realizing, oh, yeah, nothing is coming in. Like, nothing. You know, you have that, like, cycle of, like, you make money, then you have, like, you pay all your bills, then you make a it's like a show, It's like a beach, you know? Like, the, sh the, the waves come in, the waves go out. The money comes in, the money goes out. And then, uh, yeah, that didn't happen this month at all. So, it's been, like, almost three weeks since I've had a gig. So, I just, like, whew. It's like Oof. money goes out, money goes out, <laughs> m money money goes out. This is not this is not oh, fun. Oh. <laughs> uh, Jesse Solis says X Men versus Aliens over on the YouTube. That's uh, that's pretty much what this movie was. And I I think I agree with you, Jeff, that that would have been better saved for another movie. It could have been. I mean, it could have been a whole thing because the X Men are so deep ingrained in the Shi'ar Empire and 
they they dealt with the Dabari. They've you know, they've got the Star Jammers. Cyclops' dad is a uh, is a, a space pirate, basically. Ooh, neat! Um, I know that. Yeah, right. Like, could have been cool shit going on. We could have had all kinds of space stuff going on. Yeah, I understand. I mean, even for Marvel Studios, it was it was a big leap to jump to the cosmic. You know, like Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the riskiest movies ever, and it's one of the best payoffs ever. You know. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing is it's it's risky to jump to straight to cosmic when you've got such a grounded story. But that's why they needed to do baby steps into it, like bring in the Phoenix Force from the cosmic space and bring it down so that we can see how dangerous it is on the ground level and and how much of a, a powerhouse she can be with it and how, you know, she thinks that she can get control of it and, you know, make that a point of contention. Cool. Beast left the team because she doesn't actually have control of the Phoenix Force, and he doesn't think that she should be kept with it, but Charles trusts her too much. So Beast is like, nah, I don't like that. I'm out. And then Beast leaves the team and then isn't on the team in the next movie. Like, that could be a whole thing. Yeah. But it's not. It's not a whole thing. They left... <sighs> they left me in a dark place, Matt. I don't like it. I get it, man. I do. <laughs> I do. Jesse also says uh, they could have focused more on the grounded story and left the aliens out. In my opinion, they were unnecessary. Yeah, I think we I think we all agree on that. I think we all agree on that. Uh, Stick with it. Eighty seven over on Twitch says, "I that's sick with it. Sick with. Oh, you know what? I've been calling him stick with it for three different streams now. I'm so (laughs) sorry. Sick with it. (laughs) You're the one that's stuck with it. Yeah." I'm stuck on the wrong thing. Sick with it, eighty-seven. I hope you're not sick with it. That's not a good name these days. Um, <laughs> sick with it. I don't think says, that he had COVID nineteen in mind when he made that. Probably not. Probably not. He says, "I one of my favorite podcast guys." Sup? You know what? We're just podcasting. That's what's chilling, up. man. Just chilling. That's what we do podcasting, maxing all, relaxing all, shooting on some beat, uh, shooting wow. some podcast no, inside go for it, of man. my home. Yeah. Uh, and then he says this movie just had all kind of levels of suck going on, and we pretty much agree. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate, Jeff, more than me. I'm just—it's so funny. Like, and we were talking about it on the phone before we watched the movie. We were talking about it on the phone, and I was like, you know, we're either gonna uh, like make fun of it real hard, or I'm gonna like it a lot, and you get to make fun of me because <laughs> that is a possible outcome to all of this. Yeah, because yeah. I'm just not as harsh. I, I try to look for the good in the movies, but they're you know, and and this one did was not the worst. I really didn't think it was the worst of all the X Men movies. It really had some some things going for it. I agree that it's not the worst, but I will I will put the caveat on it. It's not that much better. Yeah, yeah. Um, Darth Jar Jar three thousand says the storyline was too fast. No elaboration. Yeah, nothing. Nothing was really elaborated on in this movie. I agree. It was very uh, quick. It was rushed. It was a little rushed. I agree. Yeah. Um, Jesse Zola says quick promotion. I think he's responding to the idea that Beast Beast got a promotion for trying to kill one of the students. That's uh, yeah, good job. I mean, like here's the medal and my job. I understand that Charles said you were right. Like you were right. I was wrong. That doesn't mean he's also right for trying to kill Gene. Yeah, I think I think he probably should have added the caveat. Like, uh, let's let's just say you were right morally. I was wrong ethically, 
and morally, <laughs> I still think that maybe we shouldn't just try to kill her. Yeah, I agree completely. <laughs> uh, stick with it also, or also said on uh, on Twitch, I hope one of the main characters in the MCU is Kitty Pride. I think her character is a great introduction into what the X-Men and Mutant Academy is all about. A young, confused teen coming into her powers who meet other people like her. This was one of the main concepts uh, with one of the movies in the past, but it was just done so wrong. So, so wrong. Yeah. Uh, Kitty Pride has been really underused. Uh, well, with the exception of Days of Future Past, where they used her as a time travel device, which I didn't, I don't, it, that, we, we <sighs> talked about it then. That's not one of her power sets in the comics at all, right? No, she, it's not. Uh, I just, so they, the power sets they have in these movies is just so convenient to the plot. No matter what they're doing, they're just like, well, we need something to be on fire. Let's let Cyclops have fire eyes now. <laughs> It's not a force blast from his eyes anymore. No, nope. it is now a laser melting things. It's, it always creates heat, and I and I guess there's friction or whatever. But man, yeah, I, but yeah, I'd love to see Kitty Pride. I'd love to see a good version of Kitty Pride. Because as most of our MCU cast people will know, I'm not a big comics guy, and I mostly know Kitty Pride from like a Weezer song. So, um, <laughs> wow, <laughs> I got Kitty Pride. Um, yeah, man. Mm. In, the, in the garage, which is that that song is what I named my band after the garage, which is putting out music about nerd stuff because that song's about their nerd stuff that they love. Okay, okay. Yeah. I I I can get down with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, stick with it. Also, uh, stick with it. Eighty seven gave us uh, another big sigh moment uh from from x-men the last stand where kitty pride drags juggernaut into the ground and he's like don't you know who i am i'm the juggernaut bitch he says sigh i remember my whole family walked out of the theater after that interesting why did they walk out of the theater like I, i know a lot of people hated that line i didn't really mind it i thought it was a nice like reference to the meme that was funny uh, but yeah, a lot of people hated that line. But uh, yeah. I think it was the rest of the movie leading up to that point was just so damn bad. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think that movie's awful. First, yeah, it's, it's the thing is like I think that movie's pretty bad. But I, I you know, I just I'm such a contrarian sometimes, and I don't really mean to be. I just think I like things. I'm always a contrarian in the positive direction. So I guess I, I'm a little bit of a uh, Pollyanna about a lot of these movies and such. <laughs> I like them. I like I like movies. Did I say I like movies? <laughs> I think you've said you like movies. Yeah. Um, stick with it. He says I did not have Rona, the Rona, in mind when I made my screen name. Yeah. I, I've had it since 2007. I will admit, with all this going on, it is not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> stick okay. with it. That, I, I recognize that sticker. Are you a, uh, are you a critter? Are you, that, that looks a lot like Travis Willingham laughing. Okay, I don't know. Get it in just a second. I don't know what all that is. I don't know what all that is. Critical Role, man. Oh, okay. It's one. It it is the best. It's arguably the best D and D streaming show like ever created. It's it's a bunch of voice actors that are doing character work in D and D and actually role playing their characters well. It is so good. 
Awesome. Thank you guys for joining us. We are the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. Hit us up at mcucast.com, at mcucast on Twitter, facebook.com slash mcucast, mcucast at gmail.com, or call us at 573-CAST-MCU. We'll be back with you soon. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Thank you.